what a privilege for me to introduce someone I've known for a number of years, and I just, I love this guy. He is, he's a brother, we have the same father in heaven, and uh, makes us forever brothers, of course, and uh, but I just love his heart for the Lord and heart for revival and so much else that you're going to hear about, but uh, his name is Pastor Arthur Geis. Art, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I feel it a privilege and an honor to be here with you, Randy. God bless you. Oh, you too, bro. Well, Man, me, love, I want you to know it's reciprocal. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm feeling it. And let me tell you a bit more about our pastor. Arthur Geis received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior in 1980. We're going to hear more about the specifics. Pretty interesting. While attending Elmhurst College in Elmhurst, Illinois, it was during this season in his life that he sensed a call to ministry. So he changed his major from business administration to theology. And in May of 1983, he received his Bachelor of Arts degree from Elmhurst with a double major in theology and psychology. In March of 2003, he was called to full-time ministry and installed as the senior pastor of the Spirit of Liberty Church of God in Markham, Illinois, which is a Chicago suburb. A few years after serving as senior pastor, he faced some a personal tragedy as his lovely and devoted wife of nine years went home to be with the Lord. Oh, that's got to really, that's got to be real hard. After a very courageous and lengthy battle against breast cancer. But by the grace of God, he continued to serve as senior pastor of Liberty of God Church there until he retired in February of 2023. He also serves as the Great Lakes Regional Prayer Coordinator for the Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee, and was ordained as a bishop through the same uh, hierarchy. He's the founder and president of Full of Glory Ministries, a teaching ministry committed to developing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, as well as the Illinois State Coordinator for Cry Out America. Well, what don't you do? Come on, Art. You're, you're, you're a busy dude. <laughs> Finally, let me just say, um, he's a man who is deeply committed. You're going to see that as we talk to fulfilling the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this, to make disciples of all the nations. He has an anointing to teach and preach the word of God with simplicity and accuracy, and I'd add courage. He was a much sought after speaker for conferences, seminars, workshops throughout the Chicagoland area, as well as the nation. And so again, Art, thank you for taking a few minutes to, to chat with us and, and, and helping people to get to know you a little bit better. Um, and I'd like you to start, if you don't mind, to, to turn the clock back to 1980. There you are at Elmhurst College. <laughs> You've oh shared goodness. this story before, how you came to faith. You had a pray, you had a mother who prayed for you, as I recall. Is that oh, true? my goodness. My goodness. Yes, she did. Thank God for praying mothers. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I was baptized in the Baptist church that I was attending, okay. February 12th, 1972. And I went down a dry devil and came up a wet devil. Because I had to find out that God didn't have any grandchildren. Uh, you have to have a personal relationship with him. So at this particular time, my whole life was involved in uh, athletics, playing football, and I had some aspirations of playing on a professional level. But as I, at my freshman year in college, um, God started dealing with me about surrendering my life to him. Mm. And I could remember praying. I said, God, I'm not worthy to do this. I said, let me play professionally a few years, and then I'll coach, and I promise I'll teach little children about Jesus, but please don't make me do this. 
So I'm trying to bargain with the Lord. And so God has a way of, you know, I, I love the scripture in the Bible. And let me know if I'm running too far afield. Oh, you're going, you're doing good. <laughs> the Bible talks about there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that understandeth. Mm. So that means that if God just let us go our own way, we would never come to a spiritual conclusion that we needed God. Yeah. There's none that seeketh after God. So God began to seek for me. You know, a lot of people give their testimony in the church I grew up in. I found the Lord, like the Lord was lost. No, you yeah. didn't find him. <laughs> he found you. And so uh, God began to deal with me. And so I was running hard, Randy. And every time I would try to experience what we considered the good life, yeah. it would be like washing my feet with my socks on. You know, <laughs> my feet got washed, but it just didn't feel right. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was, I was, I was in training camp in 1980 and I just left playing football. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to hang out with a couple of buddies of mine. And so we were on the bus and we were trying to get a little inebriated because we were going to go to a party. Okay. We're going to go there fashionably late. And the next thing I know, a guy got on the bus and he arrested us. It was on Good Friday. Are you kidding me? Arrested us, took us to uh, jail, and then we had to go in the morning to holiday court. That was a Saturday. So that Saturday night, I was on my in my bed, kind of, you know, trying to make sense of my life. And there happened to be a preacher on the radio. And he made a statement. He said that if you roll the covers back on your bed and death was there in the bed waiting on you, mm. you died tonight. He said, could you say without a shadow of a doubt that you go be with Jesus? He said, if you can't, it's time to get on your knees right now. Well, for me, it was in capital letters because no matter what was going on in my life, I was trying to talk to people and tell them the turmoil that I was going through, even my family. Mm -hmm. Oh, you okay? You know, you, you, you know the Lord. And, but that wasn't satisfactory for me. Mm -hmm. so that night on my knees, I said, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I really believe that you are the Savior. Yeah. But if I be honest with you, this resurrection business is beyond me. Mm -hmm. But if it's true that you have been raised from the dead, would you make that the most solid fact that exists in my life? Mm -hmm. Would you make that more certain than I would be of the womb that I slid out of and called her mama? I want to be more certain of your resurrection than I am that my mother is absolutely the one that bore me. And I didn't see the lights going and off three times. And I didn't hear a rooster, you know, begin to cackle, yakky doodle dandy. Yeah. I knew for the first time in my life, I made my connection with God wow. in my heart. So the next day is Easter Sunday morning. I didn't go to church. I was up washing dishes and a man was on the TV and he said, hey, you, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> he said, get down on your knees with me and pray this prayer. I said, well, Lord, I've already prayed, but I want to make sure that I prayed it right. And so I got down on my knees in the kitchen and I said the sinner's prayer again. I had already known the Lord that night, but I wanted to make sure, sure. own understanding. And from that point forward, that is the most solid truth that I base my entire life on. Mm. That Jesus, the son of the living God, not only died, not only was buried, but he was raised on the third day. And he ascended up to the Father's 
right hand throne in majesty and he is a ruling reigning monarch of this universe amen amen that's so good that's so good art yeah and uh you have no regrets for making that decision do you oh not at all the only regret that i have is that i thought that serving the lord meant that i didn't have an opportunity to live my life mm -hmm. and i think that's the biggest challenge that i think we face as believers uh can i divert oh, for just sure. a yeah this is a scripture that has gripped my heart, and this is probably one of the anchors of my teaching. Mm -hmm. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 13. He started off talking about the sower, sowing the word. Right. <laughs> then he told a story about a man that planted some seeds in a field. And then as, as he slept, his workers recognized that not only was wheat beginning to grow, but weeds also. Weeds. Yes. Yep. And so he asked him about it. He said, who did that? He said, the enemy did that. And they said, well, should we plug them up? He said, no, let them grow together. Mm -hmm. And at the harvest, my workers will come and separate the wheat from the tares. So that particular uh, parable disturbed the disciples. So when they got back together, they asked Jesus for his interpretation. Not, I mean, he shared others, but when all the crowd was dispersed, that was the thing that was on their mind the most. Hmm. And so Jesus' interpretation was this. The good seed is the children of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. The one that sows them is the son of man. The weeds represent children of darkness mm -hmm. and the one that sows them is the devil. But he says something so revolutionary. He said the field is the world, not mm -hmm. the church, mm -hmm. but the world. Yeah, yeah. So that means that wherever God has me on my job, mm -hmm. that is my mission field. And he planted me there to bring the values of the kingdom of God to bear in that particular pillar so that it can be redeemed. It's good. And if we abdicate those pillars, then darkness will completely overrun them. And as a result, it will begin to decay and our society will, uh, you know, experience the effects of it. That's yeah. why the Bible says in Psalm 11, what, <clears throat> when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's not a cry of despair, but it's a challenge. You can do something, righteous people. You can be salt and light where he planted you. There you and go. The thing about light is that the Bible said darkness cannot quench it and it cannot understand it. I love it. I we love need it. to understand that God wants us to bear fruit, mm -hmm. to be a light, to bring the values of the kingdom into those particular pillars. But what we've done is we thought that government, was something that was carnal. We should not be involved in it. Yeah. We abdicated our right to be influencers in the educational system. That's now right. you know what's going on in our educational system, mm -hmm. that they are grooming our children to mm -hmm. a lifestyle that is ungodly. That's right. And so we have given and, and, and succeeded all these particular areas yeah. because of our ignorance. We didn't yeah. understand our call. Well, media would be another one. We need more Absolutely. Christians to be a light and salt in the news media area. 
Yes. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, education and uh, in the other pillars Business. of culture. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, there, there's there's such a need, you know. Again, there are some Christians making Christian movies now, and that's good. We need more of that. But uh, wherever we are, in, in, in business leaders and so on, they need to be a light. And, uh, but we've kind of let that go. And, and uh, we're working in America. We kind of work for our comfort. And as Christians, you know, yeah, I go to church a couple times a month. Uh, I'm nice. What else <laughs> am I supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to be a light. Amen. This life is short. So you've, you've done that. So you've, you've, you got a call to ministry shortly after you came to faith in Christ or while you were still at that, uh, that school at Elmhurst. And uh, you've been you've been faithful uh, following the Lord. I mean, you've had your ups and downs. You, you lost your your bride, boy. That's got to really hurt. Yeah. You continue to to serve, and you got a real heart for revival and spiritual awakening. Where'd that come from? <laughs> it it happened in 1983. Okay. I heard a man talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I was so intrigued by it. Hmm. As I began to study it, there was a scripture that emerged, and this became the foundational uh, passage for our ministry, Full of Glory Ministries. Okay. But in Numbers 14, 21, he said, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And I, I consider the glory to be the manifestation heaviness of God's presence mm. that leaves an impression. Yeah. That, that, that word uh, uh, in the Hebrew uh, gives the idea for glory uh, as a person that would be heavy and leave their impression in the sand. Wow. And the heavier the person, the deeper the impression would be. Mm. And almost like a, a, a TV where uh, when you turn it off, it's still glowing. You know, it's like sure, there sure. is a residue of the heaviness of God that comes mm. and it begins to transform because that's why the Bible says that Moses was transformed as he would communicate with God and the presence of the glory would be there and his face would shine so much that he had to put a napkin over his face. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Bible said he's coming back for a glorious church, not having mm. spot or blemish or any such thing, but it should yes, be. Yes, yes. So, so we need to understand we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So I began to hear about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have to admit, Randy, I had a vision of it. Okay. I saw in Chicago, it was like the Chicago fire. Wow. And fire was coming, not from the city out, but from the outlying areas, north, south, east, and west, and it culminated, all of the streams came together mm. right at City Hall. Wow. Right at the Daily Plaza. <laughs> and the city was set ablaze with the glory of God. Mm. Now, this was years ago. Now, we've had almost 30 years of seeking the revival. Well, let me let me give you my definition of revival. Okay. I believe that revival occurs when the Holy Spirit takes control of a person, a people, a situation, or territory, and begins to bring forth a greater manifestation of God's kingdom mm. 
so that his name is hallowed and his will is done. Okay. That's what I consider revival to be. Yes. Yes. The transformative work of the Holy Spirit that brings glory to God and performance of his will. Mm -hmm. And we've been praying for that for many years. And I began to question God. I know that there's something that we're missing. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. God is not a God that just wants us to keep praying, praying, praying. That's and right. we get up to enough prayer, then I'm going to pour out. Maybe we need to take a step back. I always tell people, if I'm traveling from Chicago to Memphis, and after five days, I don't see anything that resembles Tennessee, then I'm going to pull off on the side of the road because I'm going to conclude that I missed my stop. <laughs> we seem not to have that in our repertoire. We think we just keep praying. Yeah. But here's something that the Lord mentioned to me and revealed to me through one of his servants. The Bible said God's ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. Neither is his hand shortened that he cannot save. Yes. But your sins have separated mm -hmm. us between you and your God Amen. so that he refuses to hear. Mm -hmm. So although we have this cry of prayer, the cry of sin is louder than the cry of prayer. Yes. And so when we look at what God is calling us to, to experience revival, I think that he laid it out very clearly. He said, if my people, mm. then he said, then. See, yeah. we can't get to what comes after then until we do what comes after if my people. That's right. That's right. And it's very clear. Yep. Humble themselves, pray, yep. seek his presence. Yep. And turn from our wicked ways. Yes. And he's directing that to his people. That's Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Not to the world. You cannot blame non-Christians for behaving like non-Christians. Amen. But when those who claim to be followers of Christ are looking more like the world than they are like Jesus and what he would have us look like, that's a problem. Absolutely. So change has to start with me, <laughs> with us. Absolutely. And yeah, that's really good. And I agree with you. I agree with you. It's, you know, I've interviewed different people, but one person I interviewed recently was a guy uh, named Bob Fu. F-U is the name of how he spells his last name. He's Chinese. He came from China. And he, the Chinese church is growing fast. Like a virus. Because the people there are sold out. They're willing to die, go to jail, be persecuted, be tortured, whatever it is, they're all in. Whereas in this country, eh, it's been pretty easy to be a, a Christ follower. I wonder, do you see that changing, though? I mean, we've been praying for many years. You have, we have. We're seeing some change here in West Michigan. You know, we can think of Asbury uh, College or University and other groupings of especially younger Christians that seem to be getting on fire for the Lord. I think that's wonderful. What do you think? What, what, what do you, what's your sense, Art? My sense is, is that let's applaud and rejoice over that. Yes. But let's not settle for a firecracker when God wants to bring an atomic bomb. <laughs> what's it going to take to bring that atomic bomb? Here's the deal. <laughs> I really believe that Malachi chapter 3 is the key. Okay. I think that is the next page of destiny that we have for the body of Christ. Mm. The Bible says 
that the messenger of the covenant shall suddenly come to his temple. And who shall abide in his coming? For he will be like a refiner of silver and a full of soap. And he will purify the sons of Levi mm. so that they might offer up righteous offerings. Now he said in chapter two that my controversy is with you, priest. He said that when you do your responsibility correctly, <laughs> he said that you will turn many from sin yes, and that the society will be upright. Mm. So if there's a breakdown in the society, it's because there's a breakdown of the priesthood. Wow. We need to understand whatever priesthood is winning at the altar is the one that controls the spiritual climate of the territory. Hmm. So we have been called kings and priests unto our God. Right. That's true. And, and we have to do that. So here's, here's what I believe happens. Okay. The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Yep. But Isaiah says that the branch of the Lord shall be glorious by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Hmm. See, judgment must begin at the house of God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So with, with this fire that's coming, it's going to be a refiner's fire, but it's also going to be a, a fire of judgment. Because in a house, there are vessels of honor, some to dishonor, mm -hmm. some of gold, silver, precious stone, some of clay and wood and things like that. Those things will be burned up by the same fire, mm -hmm. but the other vessels will be purified by the fire so that God can pour the glory and the anointing on us so that we can see a manifestation of God, that revival that we are claiming to uh, desire to see. God's got to burn out of us. I, I give you an example. I don't care what anybody says, there's still, as, the bio, as Dr. King said, that the most segregated hour of the church is the 11 o'clock hour. That yeah. is still right. true. Right. But along with racism, denominationalism is a greater, to me, division in the church. Mm -hmm. You have people that are at, say that they're serving God, yeah. but Pentecostals and evangelicals cannot come together because we can't abide it used to be a time when certain books couldn't be sold in an evangelical evangelical store because they were not consistent with their doctrine. The winds of doctrine blow us apart. We just need to have some essential things that are germane to our relationship with the Lord yeah. and don't highlight the differences, but convalesce around uh, what we have. I I'm writing a book, Randy. Okay, good. And the book is called The Exponential Power of One. Of One. And the subtitle is The Grossly Overrated Concept of Unity. Wow. Jesus prayed in John 17. Yes, he did. Father, this is eternal life. Now, come on now. He said this is how people receive eternal life, that they believe in you, the true and living God, yep. and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Mm-hmm. Then in verse 20 and 21, he says, Father, when they become one as we are one, then the world will know that you, the true and living God, sent me the Christ. That's right. So the key to the world coming to a greater understanding of eternal life and receiving of it, it, it is 
predicated upon our oneness. Mm -hmm. And our oneness is not something that can be man-made. Unity can be man-made. Yes. But oneness is something that only can happen through what Jesus bequeathed to the church. Wow. He said, Father, I pray that they be one because I've given them your name. Mm. He said, Father, the glory that you've given unto me, I've given unto them that they may be one. And the love wherewith you love me might be in them. The name, the glory, and the love he's already given to us as our inheritance. And what we need to do is submit to the process so that he can cause that to be a reality. And when we are one, like the Godhead is one, we're going to see the Holy Spirit poured out in unprecedented measure. Oh, oh, oh. That's, that's, that's powerful. I, I have, have preached on you know John 17, 20 through 23 quite a bit about unity, but you, you bring it to a new level. And I, I agree. You know, I think, you know, the promises that we read there in John 17, you know, we should know those, but I think our, our arch enemy knows them maybe better than we do. And one of his big strategies is to divide and conquer, like you talked about. Well, you're different from you baptize babies. Oh. <laughs> you know, you 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 guys speak in tongues, you baptize, you know what, you know what I'm saying. And they get all these things that, oh, well, we're not like well, do you, you believe that Jesus, wings, so. yeah, are, you know, to believe that Jesus Christ is, is the Son of God? He died for our sins, and you got to accept it into your life as a gift. It's by grace through faith in Christ. Yeah. Well, then guess what? We have the same Father. We're adopted into His family. We're brothers and sisters forever, and He wants us to be one. And uh, we got to let Him make that happen, like you talked about. Yeah. A lot of people think that I am uh, dealing in semantics. Yeah. No, I to draw a distinction between oneness and unity. But let me give you an example. And this is one of the basic uh, uh, foundational uh, uh, thoughts of the book. Yeah. Is that the Bible says that Jesus healed a man with a withered hand in Mark chapter three. Right. And the Bible says that when that happened, he did on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees and the Herodians, took counsel together how they might destroy Jesus. That's true. They absolutely hated one another. They did, but but you know, they had the same enemy, so they decided to work together. They became they unified. <laughs> but the one thing about unity, and this is one of the things that I kind of am tired of when we have our National Day of Prayer. Yeah. People come together, but after the National Day of Prayer is over, we come, we leave and go to our own individual silos. That's true. That's but, true. But unity is not something that we do. Oneness is something that we have become. Oh, that's right. We have become one in Christ. Amen. I need to let him actualize it. He said that if I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, he dwells in me. Yeah. But as I dwell in him, he dwells in me at the same time. That's true. But if he dwells in you, and he dwells in me, then we have to be one with one another already. Amen. Amen. And we we have we have been, we we love each other. We have Absolutely. for the years we've known each other, and that's one of the one of the many reasons why I love you, brother. It's just I it's just we are one. We, we got this prayer meeting uh, every Wednesday morning. We've been doing it for years, praying for revival, praying for each other. Half of them are, you know, African American. There's one guy from uh uh, Vietnam actually passed through there, and we got the mayor of our local town, and we we yeah. hug it. We we love you would love it. I mean, you'd fit in there real well, and I'm sure you got your own groups there in the Chicago area. I wish you lived closer to us. You'd you'd be. We're gonna make an advent down to yeah. uh, 
to, to the Holy Land. Yeah. Yeah. And Michigan, and we're gonna we're gonna bring our group in fellowship. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Well, what else? It, it's time kind of roads on us here. What anything else you'd like to add before uh, we close? I, I think that um, one of the things I've always uh, thought was interesting was that the Book of Acts doesn't have an ending. That's true. Uh, uh, books of the New Testament. And I believe that's because we're going to write the last chapter. I pray so. So what's necessary for us to do? The first thing I need to, I think we need to do, and I I think it really is a rediscovery of what Jesus' uh, true essence was of his ministry. As uh, Gordon Fee used to say, the sine qua non, you know, that if you take this out, you miss Jesus completely. Right. This is something absolutely necessary. Absolutely. And so what I did was I followed his lead. I gave index cards to members of my church and I told them to write on the index card a word or a phrase, not more than four words, that absolutely capture the ministry, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Okay. And I got some good answers. I got redemption. I got love. I got all those things. But only three people got the correct answer. And that was the kingdom of God. The first words that Jesus uttered in public ministry was the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has arrived. Mm. Repent and believe the good news. So everything from that point, the parables that he taught, all throughout his ministry, all had its essence in the kingdom of God. Mm. He's showing us that a kingdom has come. And that the new birth is how we enter into that kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that we are representatives of that kingdom. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we need to understand that the advancement of the kingdom is what we all should be doing collectively together. Wow. I think that that is a critical thing. Not saying that salvation is not important, because it's it's the key to entering into the kingdom. But that's not the essence of why Jesus came. Hmm. Then he said he has conferred upon us a kingdom. What are we doing to advance it and to cause it to to take root in our culture? Wow. And we have not been successful in doing that. Mm. And so I think that we need to rediscover that, to rediscover that he's a king and that we're subject to the king. Yeah. And that all the resources that we need, the king has, Mm. and they're to be used for his personal use we'll benefit from it but our job is to serve the king and i think that that's one of the major things that we need to do and then again i'm saying that we need to really seek god for true repentance Mm -hmm. the bible said that when the spirit of god brings conviction uh uh, there's a clearing there's a fear Mm -hmm. you know that you know uh, the godly sorrow brings repentance and that not to be repented of of according to you know uh first corinthians 7 so I think that we need to have brokenness before God. And that is the key because he said a broken spirit and a contrite heart, I will not deny. But he also said in Lamentations 344, I cover myself with a dark cloud so that your prayers cannot pass through. Wow. So we need to allow ourselves to be broken before God Mm -hmm. and allow him to really, because we can't produce it. It is a work of grace. But when it comes, we need to yield to it and allow God to do that. And let him 
allow us to see ourselves as he sees us, not as we want to be seen. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to uh, bring this thing all the way around to where we started. Where we started, you were playing football. <laughs> now, were you playing football on the offense or defense? I was a defensive player. Because what I'm hearing from you is just the opposite. I'm hearing you've gone from defense to offense as far as, you know, promoting the kingdom of heaven and uh, and being that we're on the winning team. We are yeah. the winning team, and we shouldn't be playing this defense mode of fear and 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 you know our, our brothers and sisters in China and Iran. They say we're we're going we're winning, and they are. And uh, even though it, it looks not so happy for all of them, but their church is growing like crazy, and it can happen here. And it yes. will, it will, don't you think? Come on. You know the Bible says that Jesus said, "I give you the keys of the kingdom, <laughs> and the very gates of hell shall not prevail against you." Yeah. Well, I went by my neighbor's house, and he has gates, but I never did have to defend myself against the gates. The gates are not to assault me. The gates are to keep me out. Mm -hmm. So he said, the gates of hell shall not prevent us. In other words, as we're going to take territory of the kingdom, for the kingdom, yeah. the gates of hell will not be able to keep us out from spoiling the enemy's camp. Amen. That's so good. I love it. Well, watch closest in prayer, would you, brother? Absolutely. Dear Father, we thank you so very much that you are the great God. I thank you that you know everything, mm. past, present, and future, all at the same time. And you knew that your church in this world would be in the state that it's in right now. So you made provision for us, oh God. I just pray for a spiritual awakening of your people. Yes. That we would understand the call of God, the requirement of God that we have broken hearts before you, and that the Holy Spirit himself will begin by his grace to bring us to a place of supplication and true brokenness before you, mm. so that our prayers, Heavenly Father, will be welcomed by you. Mm. It's not that you're withholding, it's that the prayer has to be from a pure heart before you. That's good. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would do that. And that you would purge us, O oh God, and that you would cause us to be able to bear the anointing and the glory that you want the church to carry, because that's the only thing that will save this earth. You said that darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness is people. But you said, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen in thee. And that kings and Gentiles will be attracted to the splendor of your light. God, I pray mm -hmm. for purging work that would cause us to carry an anointing and the glory. Yes, Lord. That would destroy the works of the devil. Yes, God. That would bring people in awareness of their sin and their true need of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that we will sweep this earth for the last day's harvest so that we can fulfill our call and destiny in these last days. Yes, Lord. Thank you for Randy and the ministry that you've given unto him. Mm -hmm. I pray, Father, for a greater degree of anointing and wisdom. Thank you, God. And people that are truly sold out, God, mm. that would help the work. And God, I just pray that if, if if Grand Rapids is the place that you want to ignite the fire, we say, so be it, God. Mm. But we know that this nation is doomed without your outpouring and without a Christ awakening and yes. transforming revival. Yes. 
Do it, God, we pray. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Art. Love your heart. Amen. Love richly bless you, brother. Amen. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.